you have no friends. Nobody likes you. I'm not listening. Well then, listen to yourself on Saturday night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From a place in the dark corners of sub-level 1D, deep in Area 51. Hello and welcome to TalkCast 328. Oh my god. 328. <laughs> this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> I'm going to hit the cough button here for a second. That silence was me coughing. Snacking on recycled wine and Pringles, I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight, the gang. In the Acton TARDIS reseating Inferno, our technical anarchist, our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering girl genius, this week arguing with the door, it's Kriana. No, I'm romancing Elliot. Shut up. God. <laughs> Elliot is your... Pixely boyfriend. There you go. From the stacks of her personal space in the dank dungeon's long drive to nowhere, she befriends robots and invites aliens to lunch, and has been known to crochet with chupacabras and starbucks. Welcome, Zombrarian. I do not crochet. I knit. Let's get but, this right. But you do not deny the chupacabra. That's I all I'm saying. Of course I don't deny the chupacabra. Also, who's typing? Yeah. Look in the other room, just saying. Mm. Returning from overnight uh, night vision hunting needed, so. as he writes his new magnum opus, Pokemon Spots on Route 66, a fond memory of rust belt hitchhiking with an iPhone. Our Midwestern correspondent, the guy who likes shiny stuff awake by Java. <laughs> Blueberries. <laughs> it's blackberry um, season here. Okay, so what are we playing today? Uh, Stardew Valley. I think I mentioned it last time. I think you um, may have, yes. It's and cool. since we can mention then, it again, because since you mentioned it last time, that's all I've been doing. Yeah. So. That's pretty much life right now. Yeah. So, it's the fifth of summer here. Although although I did, I did play through uh, a great game um, that came out yesterday called Abzu. No, don't, yeah. don't tell me more things to play with. No, no, no. You, yeah, it's a PlayStation Don't tell her more things. I have one of those. Well, you're not my friend on PSN, so that's I don't true. I'm not anyone's friend. I don't think I even have an account. So, guys, um, when did the train station get here? Oh, you're past your, you're past your first uh, season. Good job, Leah. Leah, come here. I haven't talked to you yet. I don't want you to lose a heart. She blushes when she talks about going to bed with me. Ew. <laughs> anyway, um. The, the game Abzu is actually a genre game, and it's kind of interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a combination of um, Echo 
The Last Dolphin. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a Wii game that most people never played called Endless Ocean. There were two of them. They were great. They were explore- underwater exploration games, scuba games. Um, and then um, it was... There was another one that kind of fed into it. There, there's a, there's minimum. Oh, Journey, as far as the visual style, because some of the staff from Journey, the people who made that um, blockbuster indie game, were working on this one. It's kind of fun. You play as this little guy who goes through, uh, well, genderless uh, swimming creature, humanoid creature, and you go through and you. It's a very short game. Twenty bucks on PlayStation uh, Store. Um, you might be able to find a discount code. Uh, and it's definitely worth a playthrough. Took me about three hours to get through the whole story, um, but kind of fun, very beautiful, and the soundtrack was excellent. So um, check it out. Our guest joining us tonight is a friend of the show, a friend of ours, a neat guy. He, he does comics. He does he does movies. He does uh, all kinds of cool stuff. He's a he's a really good writer too. George O'Connor joins us. George. Hey! How you doing, my friend? I am fantastic. How are y'all doing? Well, some of us are clearly not focused on the night's events or dual focusing one or the other. Totally focused. Totally, <laughs> totally focused on. I'm I I'm ambidextrous. That was point that, that made. Is, that is not that is not a simple feat to take. Let me tell you. You need a lot you need a Push. lot of levels to get to yeah, you need a lot of XP to get ambidextrous. It's got like two prerequisites. Do you, do you understand that ambidextrous has nothing to do with your feet, but is actually your hands? Just saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't ruin the illusion. There's no illusion. This is Sci-Fi Saturday Night. George, we're uh, at the time of this recording about a week and a half away from Boston Comic Con. Yes. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it is... Tis the season. It is rapidly jumping it's up the upon most us. Most wonderful time. <laughs> you know, you can almost smell the con sweat already, can't you? Oh my lord! And the, the odors, just the strange odors, and you don't know where they're coming from, but they're coming from everywhere. And here we are. And over the past couple of months, uh, a couple of things have started happening. I've been watching a new series of yours called Baby. Yes. Let's. Yes. Uh, you you actually have two cartoon ser- uh, cartoon <laughs> comic series. You have the Healed series, which yeah. and there's some stuff going on with that. We're going to talk about maybe. Cool. <laughs> uh, and a new series called Baby, and and a third series that's kind of a series, but something you've done before and you're doing differently now. We're going to leave it at that. And let's talk about Baby first. Sure. Give us, um, give us yeah. the story behind this because it's an odd one. Uh, so Baby is how far would you go for fame and fortune if the sta- thing standing in your way was an adorable baby monster accidentally destroying the city? So <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of our take on the monster from the deep destroying the city, except our hero uh, is our baby monster who's just never kind of walked on land before. And stumbles across Atlantic City, and starts trashing pick the place. A nicer place to destroy. Go for it. Exactly. You know, um, we figured the West Coast gets enough. 
So we'd, we'd bring well, it Yeah, over. they get the leftovers that come over from Japan. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so surrounding the chaos of our adorable baby monster uh, is an evil cryptozoologist, because as we all know, there are not enough evil cryptozoologists in pop culture. There are just no good days. ones anymore. There are exactly. no good cryptozoologists anymore. So on the one hand, we've got the evil cryptozoologist who wants to capture the monster for his own fame and fortune. And on the flip side is the police officer who's just one more day away from retirement who wants to avoid the monster at all costs because he knows what will happen. And, and then like every good Japanese horror movie, there's a dumb kid there too. That plays a very big role in, in uh, taming our little monster and yeah so we put all these elements and kind of shook them up and we wanted to see where it would all go from there um it again i am joined by griffin s uh doing the art and uh i just i think it's the most adorable little corgi lizard you've ever seen in comics um he is drawn adorably and heartbreaking uh, and just absolutely wonderful. And um, our, we have wrapped up this series. The fourth issue will be making its convention debut at Boston Comic-Con. Um, so we are incredibly excited to bring the entire story to the masses. And then just the other day, I got an email that said, Hey, Dome, <laughs> let's talk about this. You know uh, virtually everybody on the show is a huge fan of the, the web series that you guys did, uh, 664 Neighbor of the Beast. Yes. And we have been screaming at you for Lord knows how many years for <laughs> season three. Oh, I can tell you how many years because, <laughs> because we shot the last scenes when Tracy, who was the lead of the series and also my wife, um, was very pregnant with our That's son. That's true, yes. <laughs> um, to the point that we were shooting in the summer and we put her in a hockey jersey because we wanted to try and protect the belly. Um, so, yeah, so I can tell you how long it's been. It's been seven years since uh, <laughs> since uh, we, we put out the second season of 664. So when is the third season coming? Ah, uh, that's a great question. And let me deflect it completely. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so it, um, I, I think anybody who, who comes on will tell you putting, putting anything creative together is a lot of work. Putting a web series together is a lot of work and putting a lot of trying to hurt a lot of kittens. Um, <laughs> and so. Well, especially this cast, because half of them were like neighbors and some moved away and. Yeah, I mean, and then there's and then there's that is people's lives just get you know busy. You know, other people have kids, um, and like I said, other stuff going on in their lives, and so it was kind of put on indefinite hiatus. And born out of six six four was actually the comic stuff that I've been working on, and so there would be conversations with other people from the casts, um, other you know people who were helping out with the writing or the post-production, about, well, why not do it as a comic? And for the longest time, I had no idea how I would translate it from you know, the web series into a comic form. 
And it's it's going to sound cliched and overdramatic, but I swear to you this is what happened. It was probably about a year ago around this time. Uh, I'm out at lunch, and I'm just sitting there eating and reading my book. And this scene hits me like a bolt out of the blue. It's like, oh, this is the scene. And it ne- it has never happened to me before. Where like like you know this idea just comes fully formed into my head, and I at that in, in, in an instant I packed everything up for my lunch and ran back to my work and my desk because I was like I need to just dump this out of my head right now before I forget it. And what that six page scene became the six six four comic pitch book. Um. And it what what was exciting about the breakthrough was not being a slave to what we did in the web series, but taking the elements and the vibe and some of the concept from it, but then really just kind of being free in the comics medium. Because uh, one of the rules of thumb is when you're filming anything is don't write what you can't shoot. If you can't shoot an epic pirate ship battle, don't write it because you're never going to be able to shoot it. So that's why 664, <laughs> two-thirds of it was shot in my house because I knew we could film here. Um, but then it was just that little light bulb going off about the comics. It's like, well, you know, everything we kind of thought we could never do, you know, that we just dismissed automatically because we couldn't do it well, we could just do whatever we wanted in the comic book. And I figured out just a couple ways that I thought were entertaining to bring this world back. So the crux of it is still the same. You mean same. like a flying pet, petrodactyl monster? Like hell beast. Whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Herodactyl? I like petrodactyl better. It just okay. sounds larger. It's good. You get to copyright that. Thank there. you. That's your IP, right? No, no, no. I'm giving it to you. It's uh, my gift. A petrodactyl. It's yours. So, so, yeah. So, it's stuff like that where we can take this idea of Satan living in a suburban neighbor, neighborhood, trying to live, you know, the American dream while being shunned by everybody. And this couple that lives next door to him trying desperately to be the good neighbors and, you know, chaos ensuing. Well, before, you know, in the web series, it was chaos ensuing with the neighbors. And now, like if you'll see in the pitch, we find out that there's basically a gateway to hell in Satan's shed. And so, you know, the chaos just gets to get ramped up. And what's really fun about writing this is the bigger the chaos, the more mundane the conversation gets to be. And that's and that's been the fun of having, you know, the the kind of suburban conversations we all kind of have to do, but really don't want to, while an entire neighborhood is running from hell beasts at the same time. Um, and Which so seems that, to work, quite frankly. It's one of my favorite. One of my favorite things to write is regular people in ridiculous or extraordinary situations. Hey, Al, so, did you put my chainsaw back in my garage? I'm going to need it to fight off these zombie hordes. Exactly. 
Exactly. Um, so yeah, so so this this six pages, you know, I wrote out, and then I kind of sat down and I rewrote the six six four Bible. Of all right, what is this story about? What are these stories going to be about? Bringing the characters in that I really enjoyed writing from the web series, and kind of recasting them into the comic. And so the great thing was, so now I had this pitch that I was really excited about, and you know, kind of like that Eureka, I cracked it. And then I'm like, well, who the hell's going to draw it? And that was my next question because you've assembled a whole different team for this than you've ever than I've ever known you to work with before. Yes, and that that is exciting as well. Um, so and the other weird thing about this is it's truly a comic. It's a it's supposed to be a funny comic and there aren't a lot of those out there that are, you know I would say are pure comedy. There are some funny books out there. Uh, Chew comes to mind right off the bat as one of my favorite comics that is hysterical, um, that cracks me up. Um, but I don't see a lot of kind of like pure comic comics out there. Um, so I'm looking at this thing that I love that I want to see come to life, but I'm like, I have no idea if anybody else does. Um, and so, you know, I keep my eye out, you know, we're, we go to how many cons we do a year mm-hmm. and every one and every one of them's got an ever growing artist alley. And so, you know, you take the time to go through um and see if anybody matches the style you have in your head. And so this pitch was just kind of sitting there collecting dust. And then one day, thanks to Facebook, uh a friend of mine, someone I've known for years, her name is Harley Bean. Um and I and she's an artist and I've seen her post some stuff before and it's cool stuff. And then this one day she posted something that was basically, I got bored. So I drew my friends and it was just, <laughs> it was a picture of some sketches and she just snapped it and threw it up on her Facebook. And I saw it and I went, Oh my God, that's it. You know? Um, and so I immediately, I, I reached out to her. Um, and said, look, this is what I got going on. Um, would you be interested? And so I sent her the pitch book and luckily she was. Um, and it's kind of, kind of funny. And I hope this comes out right. When she started working on the character sketches, she would send them over to me. I was like, no, 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 no. This is too good. Go back to those sketches that you did that were a little rougher, a little more cartoony, a little more anime-y that's what hit it. And then she was like, oh, and, and, you know, we just kind of talked back and forth. And then she started sending me these character sketches that, that had an homage to the web series, but brought it into its own thing that had her own style to it, uh, that had her own energy to it. And it, and it's my favorite thing about working in the comic medium is when you're working with an artist and they start sending you stuff. And it's better than you could have ever hoped. And if it's different than what you had in mind, you look at it and go, you know, this isn't what I had in mind, but now that I see it, of course it has to be this way. Um, and so, you know, Harley was absolutely game. Uh, and it was an, a fun, 
easy collaboration. And I, I think I could say it came together pretty quickly. I mean, there was maybe it was about a two week stretch every two days. She's like, here's something new. Here's something new. And her interpreting pitch uh, pages from the script where it's just, she just nailed every comedic beat um, and brought her own uh, comedic style and own visual style to, you know, what was on the comic was on the script and then brought it to the page that it's, you know, for two or three weeks, every other day, I've got this huge ass smile on my face because this thing I'd been looking at for ever going, man, I'd really like to see this come to life. She's doing it and she's nailing it. Um, and so when, when that was all set, um, I have been very lucky that I've been working with this colorist, Leslie Atlansky. Um, she's helped on a couple books. She's helped on a couple pitches. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Um, she's just, she's one of the people that I'm list. I'm so glad I found. Um, and again, we, we work together really well. She's a total pro. Um, and I was like, you know, Leslie, would you be up for something goofy and fun? And she was. And then, you know, that conversation happens with about colors and all of that fun stuff where, you know, as little as I know about illustrating, I mean, my stick figures don't look like stick figures. Um, <laughs> you know, I know even less about coloring, but God bless her. She's willing to like, you know, hold my hand like a toddler going, come on, come on, booby. I'm going to sh show you all about this coloring thing. Um, and just being, being as professional and kind and patient as, you know, we kind of figure out what this stylistic look is going to be. Don't um, you and, love when they're kind and patient? Oh my, you know, not one or the oh, other, but both. And it's incredible, man. It is. It's so wonderful. Um, to, you know, again, this is, I mean, what I really count myself lucky here is the number of times over the years and I'm, and years that I have been able to rope my talented friends into helping me make a thing. It's, I, it's amazing. And, you know, I get to do it again with Harley, with, you know, kind of a next generation of these poor people who are in my circle and have no idea that I have plans for them until all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, they're roped in and, you know, we're going down this path. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I, I am lucky. I have found two incredibly, I have found two more incredibly talented people. Um you know, willing to work with me and create a thing with me. And so now uh, we have this this six-page pitch that I think sets the tone for the story we want to tell. Um, definitely sets the kind of humor uh, as well as the little universe that we're building. Um, and I sent it to you guys. And knowing how much you guys have love 664 knowing and yeah i mean just I, I i will say it until i die and i still won't have said it enough i can't thank you for the support that you guys have given us for i think we counted it before we hit record almost seven years at this point yep um for for you know caring about this you know as much as you know we have making it um i had to share it with you guys you know Outside of the the cast and crew from the web series, I'm like, well, I gotta share it with them next. 
because you know, like I said, outside of the six of us that made it, um, you know, you guys have have, have been on the train and, and championing us as as long. Um, so yeah, I wanted to share it with you, but then also as a thank you to you and the listeners, um, when this goes live, I will give everybody a link so they can go download the PDF and check it out for yourselves. Woohoo! Very and cool. And you got you to do it because it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Pretty much. Well, you know, can I tell you what it reminds me of, though? Please. Like Buffy Season 9. After eight seasons on TV. Mm. It Seven went seasons to- on TV and one in the comic. Oh, there were more than one in the comic. They're on Season oh. 12 now in, okay. in the comics. I'm just saying that Buffy Season She's 8 a was bitter. the first... Was the first comic one. <laughs> this is this to me is six six four season three, Thank and that's you. what it should be. That's what it should be, and it's 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 snarky and, and snippy and fun. And you said something about finding the beat for it, you know, because comedy has a pattern, a, a beat, a feel that if you don't have it, it's it doesn't connect, and this is, uh, <clears throat> in so many ways, connects in so many ways, and it's it's just so much fun. It really and let's is. face it, that 664's comedy is easy to enjoy, but very difficult to hit mm-hmm. well, because it's simultaneously so dry and so goofy. Yes. Yeah, and when we did the web series, again, the you know, talented people taking the words and making them better. And, you know, with with Harley and bringing the comics to life, it is a little, it, it def- definitely has its own different challenges, right? Because you have to pick points to draw rather than just let a scene fall out. Um and you know, giving the right, giving the artist kind of direction, but knowing to back off enough that they get to do their thing, you know, because the worst thing you can do to a talented artist is shackle them. And but tell how, them. <clears throat> how hard is that for you? Because you know, well, it really you're depends what they're into. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You've, and you've, if look, and if look, Tracy's just, okay with it, you just you make a safe word. <laughs> and you know it, and then you, it's trust you know um, it's it is the ni- it's a nice it's the nice thing about doing about you know, being an old man and have been making stuff for as long as I have is that through trial and error you learn what works and what I really like about this, God, this is going to sound egotistical and I apologize, but it's not supposed to. Oh, go ahead. Here it is. What, where I like where my headspace is now is I'm mature enough to know the way you get the best stuff is you find talented people, point them in a direction and get the hell out of the way. You know, if they start moving a little too to the left, a little to the right, nudge them back in, but point them in a direction. Let them find their own way there. And, I mean, more often than not, what the end result is going to be better than anything I would have come up with. It's still true to the heart and the core of what you're trying to do, 
But like I said, it's it's better. And then the person you're working with, they get to do what they do best. You know, in this case, it's working with an artist like Harley, and it's like working with Griffin for Healed and Baby. You know, when they have the room to put themselves into the work, the work is ten times better. Um, and that, I think, is something you really kind of only learn by doing stuff over and over again. Um, and, you know, having to have that immature part of, I got to control everything. And then kind of, you know, if you listen to other people, you take feedback and you, and, you know, if you're lucky to work with talented enough people, you realize how much better a thing is when it's a collaboration, not a, you know, you draw for me, you draw this. And don't think, right? At, at least, at least that's not the stuff I'm interested in. My favorite part of any creative endeavor is the collaboration part. It's people throwing out nuggets of ideas and having that spark something in somebody else, right? And then they pick up the ball and they run with it for a little bit, and then that gets you excited to see it build and build and build. And the, the cool only- thing too is that when they buy in to the concept and they buy into the understanding you get surprised yes that's the best part that that that's the part i've always liked is like when they buy in and you're sitting there and you're going well here's the wow where did this come from and you right. realize that's my character but that's somebody else doing it and it's right yes exactly um you know not to spoil anything, but there's specifically like there's one instance in in the six page preview that the panel description was basically there are bodies everywhere in the backyard. <laughs> right? I know what panel that is too, yeah. Right? And so so that's what's written in the script. I could have written it, and here is where all the bodies are. And and you know that's and then Harley can sit there and go, all right, well here's body A, here's body B, or I can say there are bodies everywhere in the backyard. Wait a little bit, and then get to laugh my ass off at her interpretation of there are bodies everywhere in the backyard, and it's it is going to be better than anything I could have written, right? And like you just said, and then you know. If it works right, she's going to be, or, you know, any artist is going to be more invested when they get yeah. to put a little bit of something of themselves in there. And Absolutely. that's that's the key, is realize who's the expert at what they do. Tell them, and this is, this is the dance. You want it vague enough that they can do their thing, but focused enough that they know where they're going, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the learning curve, and that's... That can change from collaboration to collaboration, medium to medium. Um, but then, like I've learned, back the hell off. And what's going to come back is amazing. And I will I'd actually credit getting into comics and learning with comics. And, you know, God bless Griffin. And, you know, because he had to shoulder being the artist. While I'm learning how to be a comic writer, you know, so he had to, to go the take the learning curve with me. Um, I think writing comics has made me a better creator in everything else I do. 
you know, whether it's music and working with the guys in my band, um, you know, my day, my day job is an advertising copywriter. And so bringing that mentality into there, um, and even into, you know, and, and, Oh, how's this for a segue? And even into shooting the healed short film. <laughs> yeah. Nice segue, my friend. Pew, pew, pew. Cause that's <laughs> where we're headed next. That's a professional transition right there. Oh, pew, pew, pew. You would think you knew where you wanted to go. You would do, I, you know, you saw it over the horizon. Like, Oh, Hey, I pulled it off. Awesome. And then what you immediately do is you point out to everybody how well you pulled it off. Because that's the key. <laughs> that's the key to an awesome transition. Um, but no, seriously, I when so you know, being on the healed set, um was, <laughs> I mean, I would almost I you know, you could talk to anybody on the set and get their view of it. I really feel like of all the things I shot, short film six six four. This was the one I almost did the least on because I knew who I was working with and I trusted them completely. So, you know, I would, I, you know, it's more of a transition from director as dictator to director as cheerleader, you know? Um, so let's, let's talk about the healed film for a second. Sure. Because, uh, Healed is a, a series that is essentially done. Yes. Yeah. And that was one of your very cool passion projects about the day the world got healed. Yes. And the only deaths after that were uh, unnatural deaths. Humans are now immortal, and you took people and places and events to show what that transition is, what happens next. How did you go from that to a film? Or why did you go from that to a film? Um, so we, so we, when we finished up the comic, um, and again, that was with co-created with Griffin S. as the illustrator. Um, we did five issues with that, and we kind of felt like we had, we had told some nice stories. Um I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of what we did there, um, especially under the lens of it was the first comic I had ever written. It was the first comic Griffin had ever uh, drawn, um, and it's and people seem to like it. That's that's the the least egotistical way I can say it is. Um, well, I yes. think that that goes without saying because uh, you know I can recall the first time I saw it at a convention. And I was kind of standing off to the side as somebody else was talking to you about it and how he had just read the first issue and he was just floored by it. Yeah, that, that... Sorry, go ahead. And that happens a lot uh, with this series. It, it was one of those fresh new idea series, new writer, new artist working together. Was that the first time you and Griffin had worked together? I would say officially that uh, we had done other stuff in the past. Like he drew uh, a CD cover for a band I was on. Uh, I was in. Um, and I think maybe some other little things here and there, but I would call them kind of one shots. Um, this was the first like collaboration, you know, like we're a team 
were coming together to make this thing. Um, and so he'll build slowly. We did the first eight page story, showed it around. People seemed interested. So we did the first issue and that's where, again, where we met. Um, we had had the first, we had the first issue of healed there. And I just say enough people were interested in it yeah. that we went, all right, let's keep going. Uh, we had a Kickstarter for the second issue and we went over our ask by 20%. Um, and so that helped get the second issue going. And that was kind of the snowball that let us do three, four and five where we were able to get it on into trade. Um, and again, enough people have been interested in it that we kept it going and we looked at it and i mean i think you can kind of see obviously since it was my first thing i'd written you could kind of tell oh this is a guy who's used to reading writing screenplays and now he's gonna you know he's writing comics which is a nice way to say i write a lot of word bubbles <laughs> uh, so yeah and i think i'm better I think I'm better at that, but the only way you get better is to write the first one and go, oh, that's that's what I did wrong. Um, so we had looked at it, and, you know, since I think, you know, I, as even as a writer, I think visually, and I think kind of cinematically, there's part of me that I wanted to see it come to life. Um and we had talked about it for a while. Um, and, you know, it, it was, I credit uh, a conversation I had with my friend Joey at Baltimore Comic Con, uh, I think at this point, two years ago. Uh, he's, uh, he's a filmmaker as well, and we were talking about it. Um, and he kind of left me really amped up about the idea of filming it and what I could do with it afterwards. Um, and as it just so happened, you know, my, my right arm in this film project, uh, Diana Porter was with us and I kind of looked at her and I said, we've been talking about shooting this as a short film for a while. We're, we're at the point where we either do it or stop talking about it, aren't we? And she's like, yeah, we really are. Um, and so that was, and that was kind of the, well, then we've got to do it. Um, because like so many other things, like I want to see this, you know. Um, and Diana was absolutely my right arm putting this together. She has worked her ass off in the Boston film community scene for years, um, and so I was able to lean on her knowledge of pros to work with, you know, where to shoot, how to shoot it, and then most importantly, what to do with it afterwards. And so when we were deciding what to do with it, we went back to what bore heel into the world, which was we're going to start small. So rather than, you know, shoot healed the movie, it's like, no, 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 let's, you know, again, let's see if anybody else is interested in this. So what we ended up doing is, you know, the, the movie imitated the comic book. We took the first story from healed Right. Um, and we shot it. And it was the most satisfying shoot I had ever been on. Can, like can, I, can somebody say to you, it was fucking amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll tell you why. 
because I loved the comic. And it wasn't a, a, a panel for panel, shot for shot, line for line. It was, you know, as I was reading it, this is what I was thinking I could see. Mm. And, and, that's, and this is the other reason why you do it, right? It's a, it's a litmus test. You, you know, you're, you're dipping the toe in the water and you're just yep. kind of taking the temperature of what's around. Um, and so uh, we brought in a fantastic DP, Michael Whistler, and who's done a ton of work around Boston. And we had great meetings. And again, you know, this is this is where the comic training transferred over, where it's like I'm talking to an expert. This guy knows more about has forgotten more about cinematography than I you know have learned. So why in God's name would I get in his way? You know, he brings an idea to the table. Yeah, of course. Yeah, go do that. I'm going to be back here out of your way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it, and it goes the same way with uh, my friend Arthur Laurie, who was also uh, one of the co-stars of 664. Um, I think he was a little intimidated by it because, yeah, as you'll, you know, when people get a chance to see the film, you'll see that it's basically a monologue. You know, it's a, it's a four-minute monologue. Yes, and it I, is. <laughs> and I think he was intimidated by it. But, it, but as I kept telling him, I wouldn't have brought him in to watch him fail, right? I I brought him in because I knew who I was giving it to. Mm-hmm. And there were some, and now here's, you know, just little X factors. Of, so this is a comic I've written at this point six years before we shot it. So it's lived in my head for six years. And now I am handing it over to Arthur. And he's bringing some stuff to the table. He's like, I want to do this. And my instinct is kind of like, oh, that's not what I heard in my head. But, you know, the training kicks in of you're the expert. Let's see what happens when we get on set. And there are some moments in this film where I'm sitting behind the camera and Arthur hits a point or hits a line or hits, you know, a run of dialogue where I almost ruin the whole take because I'm sitting behind the camera going, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> because, <laughs> because again, yeah, as somebody who's lived with this as long as I have, as deeply as I have, for him to surprise me in this story, for him to make the hair on my arm just shoot right up was amazing to be a part of, you know, and my, the only job I have to do is between takes is to go up to him, hug him and thank him, (laughs) you know, and then just walk away. And the same thing with Michael, he wants to set up a shot and he's like, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, that is an absolutely gorgeous shot. I'm going to get out of your way and let you drive the bus because all I'm going to do is slow it down. Um, and then, I mean, the, the last bit of praise I want to throw is we've had about 40 extras on set for that day and we have all seen TV shows, movies, whatever, where there is a crowd scene and there is one extra somewhere in that crowd scene fucking the whole thing up. 
everybody. <laughs> Staring into the camera, picking his nose. Right. There's giggling s- while everybody's crying. Exactly. Whatever. There is one person fucking this monster shot up, this monster shoot up for everybody. And I'm walking in here going, all right, we got 40 people in a church. We're inviting kids. And I've just spent weeks going, it's going to happen. Just be ready. It's going to happen. Right? You're, you're inviting this. Mm-hmm. And they were perfect. They were, to a person, perfect. Um, you know, their, their professionalism, no matter what level they were as an actor. I mean, we, because, again, Diana has, is entrenched in the acting community, she she pulled in a lot of favors for me and for us, and brought people who were you know hitting way below their batting average to to, to help us out. Um, and then we had some complete you know just friends who wanted to help out. You know, so you had this r- range, and to a person, they were professional. And I think as as because they were so good. They gave Arthur the ability to do what he did. And also they grounded this, you know, kind of ridiculous premise. You know, every there's no more disease, no more illness. Well, what happens now? That's kind of a ridiculous idea. Until you bring 40 people together who sell the shit out of this concept. Yep. And make you believe it and make you believe it's real and make you believe the effects of it are real. And 39 out of those 40 people didn't have a line. But That's it very true. It, but I, it didn't matter. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah, but it it's, didn't It's matter. essentially a monologue. Yeah. And again, it's... you. So you put... You know, everybody's got ideas. Everybody's got great concepts. But when you're lucky enough to, you know, have somebody like Arthur who can take this on his shoulders. You've got someone like Diana who, like, I can't say this enough, was my fucking right arm putting this together, helping, you know, fill in the gaps that I didn't even see were there. You bring in a crew like Michael and the other group that we have, and then you bring in these extras, and everybody's on their game. And they're on their game, and we're also having fun. You know, um, it made for an incredibly easy set where, I, like I said, I really felt like I didn't do much um, because I didn't have to because everybody else knew what they were doing. So, like I said, I just got to cheerlead. You know, I got to thank Arthur. I got to thank this crowd. I got to, you know, be the cheerleader and just keep their energy up and keep the positive vibes going. Um and what came out is something I'm really happy with. And so here we go again. We're going to throw it out into the world and see if anybody else digs it. So now, as, as leader of this podcast, I'm going to cheerlead for a minute and <laughs> ask some very pointed questions. Yes, I'm ready. How are you going to throw Healed out? I mean, it would look really great embedded into somebody's website. <laughs> Well, we're doing kind of a two-stage thing. Um, right now, we are going the festival route, mm-hmm. um, which means small showings here and there. Um, and actually, our festival debut is going to happen 
August 27th, Saturday, August 27th, as part of the Massachusetts Independent Film Festival. Uh, our screening is going to be at the Brattle Theater at 6.30. So if you go to Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Independent Film uh, Festival website, you can get more details there and how you buy tickets and everything. Um, but like I said, uh, the debut of it is going to be at the Brattle Theater in Cambridge on Saturday, August 27th. From there, we've got it submitted to a bunch of other festivals. Um, the X factor in all of this is a lot of festivals don't like when you submit films that are also widely available on YouTube. Um, so right now festivals are the only way you can see it, but in a soon, I'm thinking, you know, winter, early spring, we'll take the cap off and we'll throw it up on YouTube um, or wherever, and then just let the world find it. And you're going to let us know then so that of we course. can push it like crazy. Of course, of course. And, uh, you know, this This is a, a little bit of the process that kind of kills me um, because I have, I have come to realize I am still a seven-year-old kid who goes, look at what I made, look at what I made, you, you, look at what I made. That's kind of how I operate. So to be in a to be in a situation where like the thing you have to do is actually not show it to the entire world right away for that immediate feedback um, is a little foreign and a little weird to me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I I understand. I I understand that for what we want to do, this is the way you do it. Um, but I am definitely looking forward to when the festival run is over, that we just get to, again, throw it out to the masses. Okay, now 664, as I'm calling it, and I expect it to stick, 664 season three. <laughs> um, this one is a, li a little better. And, you know, honestly, this is where um, fans of the web series, fans of Sci-Fi Saturday Night uh, can actually play a part in this. Um, if you dig, if you dig the, the, the pitch, if you dig the PDF, um, that you can download that we'll set up and have downloaded for the listeners, if you dig it, go right ahead and share the fuck out of it, throw it, you know, throw, <laughs> throw it on Twitter, throw it on Instagram, throw it on wherever, you know, just share it. Um, because who knows who you're going to catch on the right day at the right time, who's going to go. But I would like to see this comic, you know, out coming out of my publishing arm, you know? Um, and the flip side of it is if there's enough interest, there are so many wonderful ways to get stuff out there these days, especially comics. You know, you can go as simple as, you know, putting it, putting a page a day on Facebook and that's how you can get your story out there. Um, you know, but again, this is, this is all about kind of dipping the toes out there and just going, does anybody want more of this? And if people want more of this, Harley and I have talked on, on a grand level, not on a granular, but on a grand level that we both think 
this would be a lot of fun to explore. And if there are people that want us to explore this, then we'll figure out a way to make it happen. I, I've figured out what's missing in your life. Passion. <laughs> you yeah, just don't have enough passion. I know. It is such a grind. Good Lord. Lock if you could just thing. really want to sell this shit, you would really make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I have, you know, we, you, we, I have just, I have come to a point where you kind of realize who you are. And, you know, I, I am not a young man in my 20s, despite the wonderful, you know, youthful sound of my voice. Um, we have the pictures to prove that. By yeah, the way. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> am I, my, I, am, I am entering my silver fox stage of, uh, of existence. When, um, when you enter the golden dome stage, there's <laughs> nothing there but wax. Oh, then no. you'll know you're no, old. My nightmare. Not the gorgeous fox. <laughs> I need to hold on to him. Uh, I said that when I was 25. Nice job. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's, I liked, I, you know, as goofy and doofy as this sounds, I like telling stories. And I have been so freaking blessed that I keep finding people who like telling stories too and, you know, want to tell them with me. And I like seeing things come to life because the, the, the sad fact is there are, there, I know how many different ideas and different stages are in my head. And it's the sad fact that not all of them are going to see the light of day. And that's, that's a bummer. So anytime, you know, in this, like, like Harley saying, yeah, I'll, I'll help this pitch come to life. It's, I don't, I don't take it for granted, you know, because not every great story, or forget great, not every story that wants to be told has a chance to be told, even if it's just for an audience of one. Um, so to find talented people who are willing to, you know, give you their time and their talents and their expertise to help a thing come to life, I mean, I don't look at that, I don't take that for granted, and I don't take it lightly. You know, I look at, and again, whether this is people making comics with me, making a movie with me, or, you know, the bands that I'm in. Um, everything's better because they're involved. You know, I'm not looking to do a George O'Connor and his amazing friends type of thing. You know, <laughs> I, I like being part of a team. I really, I really do. And I'm cool driving the bus, but I like when everybody gets a say and, and gets to carry the ball and gets their moment to shine. Cause that's, that's fun. You know, seeing the thing come to life is rewarding enough for me. And so if, you know, if people can discover Harley because this thing came to life, if people can realize what an amazing color Leslie is because, you know, she's helping these things come to life and the same thing with Griffin, you know, um, watching him for six years go from a guy who you know we were sharing tables with to at one point it goes i think i need my own table I'm like yeah you need your own table you know where he's building up his own fan base um where you know it's you know he's he's he doesn't need anybody supporting him anymore you know seeing that evolve literally to my right over six years is it's fantastic, and that's what it's that's what it's all about. Um, 
so yeah, I've completely forgotten where I was going with all this. Other no, you you were in that you were you were in that waiting pool. You were fine. You realize this is what happens every time you're on the every, goddamn show. I I just looked at it and I'm like, ah, oh, well, there we go again. There's another hour. We ain't getting back. <laughs> but <clears throat> realize how. Oh Jesus! They're playing. <laughs> all right. Well, first I wanted to thank um, God without who. Nothing is possible. I want to thank my mom and dad. Um, I want to thank my son Logan. Logan, go to bed. Go to bed right now. Um, I want to. <laughs> it's scary, isn't it? Coming up next week when we're at Boston Comic Con, Corey Levine, creator of the web series Bowery Boys, will be joining us, and then we're we're going to Boston, and we're we're going to smell funny and, and be weird. George, we'll see you in a week. Absolutely, looking forward to it. This is the way it happens when you're here. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic-Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. So visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Original music production was provided by Rob Watts. You can find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com. Our outro music is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their grooves at lawrencemademecry.com because it would be silly to look anywhere else. I want to thank you, George, because it's always fun to check in with you. It's always fun to see what you're doing. And God, I love you, man. Thanks so much for coming by. Oh, thank you. I can't, again, I can't thank you enough. Many thanks to the cast who kind of sat and listened to me tonight. <laughs> From the act and action time work, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. So no different than any other night. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season. Thank you, Java. Oh, no Boston for me. <laughs> this is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Oh, I know.